The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. morning, if you're visiting with us, we do take a number of Sundays each year to pray for sister churches. This morning, we're praying for uh, Northland Baptist Church. How many of y'all are familiar or know where Northland Baptist Church is? A few hands go up. It's off Wacomus Drive, uh, kind of on the western side of the Northland, northwestern side of the Northland, whatever. And for a number of years, they were struggling and uh, uh, were down in numbers. And most recently, uh, Matt Mars, uh, Dr. Rustin Umstad, say that five times fast, and some others have started to re, re, re invigorate by God's grace the church, and over the last several years, they've gotten up to uh, over 500 people in their services, which is a great thing, and they're planting their focus, and I talked to Matt. Matt and I go back many years and have uh, prayed for each other, served on many teams together, and I said, Matt, how can we pray for you, Pastor Matt? He said, you know, pray for us because we're not wanting to keep these people. We want to send them out to plant other churches, to be involved in, in starting new churches, and they have. Uh, one of them just started about uh, two years ago during the pandemic, which is now meeting uh, in Wynwood Baptist Church, uh, many of you are familiar with. And so while Wynwood has their service later in the day, they have their service in the morning, or later, one early in the morning, one later in the morning, so on and so forth. And so just, we will pray for them. What a cool thing. And he said to tell you, Pastor Matt of Northland Baptist Church, said to tell you all, it doesn't matter your church size. Any church of any size can help plant another church. And I say a hearty amen to that. So we are going to pray this morning. It's always, you know, I've heard from some of you, Darren, why do we talk so much about other churches? We don't talk about our own. We do talk about our own a lot. We pray for our own a lot. But it's also good not to be so insular that we forget what God is doing, even within our own ranks. Church, remember, Clay County, Platt County, the two most unreached counties in the state of Missouri for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's crazy to think about, but the biggest mission field is actually right here where we are. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Let's go before uh, uh, our Lord and ask him to bless our sister church, and may God use us here as we continue to minister at Tower View Baptist Church. Father, thank you for the chance once again to sing your praises, to hear songs that are familiar and other songs that are new, but all that speak this one truth, that you are Lord and Lord indeed. You are risen. Father, you sent your Son, and he's risen. Father, we thank you for the reminder that there is nothing else in this life that matters except exalting and praising and living out our faith according to what you've given us in the Scripture and what it means to glorify your name in every facet of our lives. So, Father, help us to do that. Thank you for the encouraging report from Northland Baptist Church, Lord, for the many uh, years of work that Pastor Matt and others have done there through so many, many ups and downs, and numbers will be numbers. Father, thank you that whether a church has five faithful people or 500 faithful people, you've assigned to each their lot and their their time. So I thank you, Lord. Thank you for the, the their desire to, to, to plant, to, to start more new churches in the northland of Kansas City, one of which is meeting uh, just down the road at Winwood Baptist and co partnering with them, others that are starting soon. Would you give them wisdom there, Lord, and help in, 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 in disseminating uh, out the, the responsibilities of what that looks like, the finances, but more so as we prayed in, uh, in Sunday school and from John 15, that you would 
grow, Father. Bring the spiritual growth into the factor there. Thank you for Pastor Matt and use him today as he preaches the gospel off Wacomas Drive. Father, we pray here at Tower View, Lord. We thank you, Father, that this area is in much need of the gospel as that area. So we would pray for our neighborhoods, for Gracemore, for Maple Park, wherever we live, that you help us to honor you by sharing the gospel of Jesus. Father, I pray as we as we study your word today that you are lifted high. Thank you for the book of Hebrews. It is as he prayed that we need the race to run with endurance. Father, as we go through this time, but may it be a blessing to us. May wherever your word is spoken of, taught and sang and prayed through today, may people hear the gospel of Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. If you have your Bible this morning, we do want to be in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Two more messages, you guys, two more messages, and I'll tell you what, it'll probably be next year before we finish it all, right? Because you know me, we could parse this out for many, many more weeks, but I'm trying to be good, I'm trying to finish it up well, but two more sermons from the book of Hebrews today. I was telling Isaiah before the service uh, that several pastors and I who started this journey through Hebrews last January 2022, some of them are just now entering chapter 9. So uh, they've got a long trek ahead. And Brother Isaiah reminded me that uh, when he graduated college in Arkansas, they were finishing Hebrews. And when he came here, we were starting Hebrews. So the next time we go through the book of Hebrews, Isaiah is our main teaching guy. So, uh, well, you can do with that what you will, brother, but uh, hopefully you would take that up as an opportunity. Today's sermon title is Greater Than Rebellion. If you're visiting with us, we've had a title since the very beginning, Greater Than, and then whatever the passage is, in this case, Rebellion. Will you join me? I know you stood longer than usual with a couple songs today. It's okay. Why don't you stand with me one more time if you're able this morning in honor of God's word, and uh, we will read these three verses together. And as we read them, I want you to see if you can find the three commands that are given by the uh, writer of the Hebrews. See if you can find them. I think you can. Verses 17 through 19. That's how our sermon will be based around today. Verse 17 says, the, the writer, again, he's, he's giving these last encouragements, 12 chapters of doctrine, one chapter of devotion. They're not separate, but together, here they are, chapter 13, verse 17 through 19. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, verse 18, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. And I urge you, verse 19, the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Did you find the three commands there? Submit, obey, and pray. And that's where we're headed today. Unless you think this is a call for us, for you to, for us to rule your lives in submitting and obeying, no, we'll talk about what this means. But this is a great partnership between pastor-elder leaders and those they serve in the congregation. May we be refreshed in it today. For all of us, we'll give an account, but especially those of us who lead. Will you join me in prayer today as we go before our Lord? Thank you, Lord, for this reminder of Scripture. Father, as, as we know that we are called to submit to you, as Romans 13.1 says, we are to submit to all those in authority over us. And Father, we don't do this in a way that ever goes against your scripture, to be sure, but in a way that honors you. And Father, if there is a time where there is anything away from your scripture, may you give us the courage to walk by faith in what you said to do, but not those above us said to do. Lord, in this church, may what we have read here today 
be a sweet balance of holy living before you, not domineering, not holding it over, but doing such with humility and meekness. May we do that in everything we say and do, both from the pastoral chairs as well as those in the pews. We pray this today in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Well, it is Easter time, and you know, this time of year, Christians are known for a lot of things, especially what you'll see on the screen here. A lot of times around this time of year, uh, uh, churches like to make 60,000 Easter eggs and rent a helicopter. True story. And they will rent a helicopter, and they will advertise Easter egg hunt with a helicopter. And they will get out, and they will drop Easter eggs all over an open land so people can come out. And, it, you know, it's fun. It's great. It's everything. But then they will try and share the gospel. And what happens is these churches become more known for their gimmicks, more known for their weird events than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And church, I'm here to tell you, that's where a lot of churches are today. They're more known for the cheesy bait and switch evangelistic tactics that rule the day than for what it is the scripture calls us to be. In fact, I would say, when is the last time you heard of a church highlighting its submissiveness as a way for people to come to church? Cricket, 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 awkward silence. I've heard churches talk about their friendliness. I've heard churches talk about their diversity, their community-mindedness, their helicopter drops that you see up there, and the relevance and relatability. But what about the submissiveness of their people? I mean, when it comes to our life together as a church, submissiveness is usually not a hot topic. In fact, as we will see from God's word, it's a topic that is near and dear to God's heart, but it's something we never really talk about, especially when it comes to the church. But scripture tells us in Ephesians 5.21, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so when our relationships are focused on the gospel, we submit ourselves as a way of serving Christ. I mean, should there even be leaders in a local church who have spiritual authority but aren't willing to submit themselves to Christ, that does happen. Is it possible for a church to say they love the Lord but never submit to the spiritual authority of their leaders? It's possible, and it happens. And what does it mean that Christians should obey their leaders? And what if church leaders tell people to do something biblical or not godly? What should they do? I pray we answer those questions today. And that big word, oh, pastor, what does the word submit really mean? Is that what I say to my spouse when they don't listen to me? Is that what I say to my kids? Is that what I say to my boss? We'll talk about that today. The true, the big idea today that you'll see on the screen is simply this, is the summary of the sermon, is that every true Christian must joyfully obey and submit and pray for their spiritual leaders for God's glory and their good. That big idea is basically a summary of verse 17. I think you'll agree that these are very, very important topics. And I pray here at Tower View, we never take for granted the fact that we can talk openly about these things. In fact, we want you to know why we do these things and why we don't do some things. We want you to understand why we think it's important that we are structured or might be structured someday in a certain way. And we're going to take time today to answer these questions because I want to give you a million-dollar word. Are your ears ready? Can you say this word with me? ecclesiology, ecclesiology. Can you say that? Ready? One, two, three, go. Ecclesiology basically means how we do church. Bad ecclesiology hurts people. Doing church a bad way hurts people, especially spiritually. 
If you have any evidence of that, go look up Mark Driscoll in years gone by. Go look up Jimmy Swaggart. And let me say this very clearly, just because he's in Branson doesn't mean he gets a second chance. Or whoever it is down there. One of those TBN guys that, whatever. Just because you go to a new scenery doesn't mean you're okay to serve in the ministry. And I want you to know that Tower View is a place where you need to feel safe and you need to feel that you can grow. And that starts from the top with the leaders. And I want you to feel the love of the pastors that we have here from Nelson and Brian and myself and any others we may add as God grows. But I want you to understand we are both joyful and serious about what it is we want to do. And that affects you, as the scriptures say. So two things today. Two things today I want you to see as we look at what it means to have joy as you follow your leaders and what that looks like. The first thing I want you to see to have joy in the Christian life is that you, first of all, must have submission. You must have, number one, submission. We're going to look at four duties that come out of this verse, verse 17. They're very clear. But you notice first their position. Why should you joyfully follow your leaders? Well, he tells you there in verse 17. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them. The obey and the submit are commands. They are not suggestions. They're not if you want tos. They are obey and submit. And so who are these leaders of verse 17? They're the same leaders of verse 7 and the same leaders of verse 24. Probably these are leaders in the spiritual sense. They are probably local church leaders. They are pastors. They are elders. They are bishops. They are presbyterios, if you want to use the Greek word, presbytos. They're the same thing. A pastor is an elder. How many of y'all grew up in a church that called the pastors elders? Just out of curiosity, anybody? No hands? How many of you know pastors as pastors? Pastors, I hope everybody in this room raises their hand. (laughs) It's the same word. We've said that a lot over the years at this church, but a pastor and elder are the same thing. And there's nothing in the New Testament here to suggest that a pastor should be, a lone pastor should lead a church. In the 50s, and 60s, and across the the great expanse after World War II, a lot of churches did not have qualified men, so they set up one guy to lead the church. And you know what happened over the years? That guy got a big head. He became CEO of that local church. Notice what the word says here. Their position is obey your leader. No, look at your Bibles, guys. What does it say? Obey your leaders, plural. You are called to obey your leaders. Acts 14, 23, Luke records of Paul. It says, and when they, Paul and Barnabas, had appointed elders, or pastors, plural, for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed themselves to the Lord, and they believed. Look, you are called to submit to your leaders. You say, Darren, that's pretty selfish if you, I mean, you're a leader and you're calling us to submit. But he noticed, he says obey. That word obey there means to be persuaded. Notice it does not say you obey because we told you so. We are to persuade you. It's the same word used in Hebrews 2.13, where the writer says, I'll put my trust in him, in Christ, or in God. To trust is to obey. It's the same word as Luke 11.22, where Jesus says that you are to rely upon him. You're to trust in him. And the idea that people are to listen to what leaders say and embrace it. But where does our authority come from? Our authority comes from and only to the extent at which the Word of God gives us authority. That is, if I or any other pastor says something contrary to the Word of God, the authority we have in that moment immediately goes out the window because it's based upon what we said, not on anything else. And a Christian's obedience or trust in their spiritual leaders is not absolute. 
That's why you don't call me Father Darren. That's why I don't want you to ever call me Reverend Smith. There's only one you should reverence, and his name is Jesus Christ, God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to remember that. Verse 7, go down to verse 7. We did this about three weeks ago. He told us in verse 7 to remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So obey just simply means as we teach you and lead you spiritually, that as long as we're not asking anything, the Bible doesn't ask of you in a godly sense, there should be obedience to the leaders of the church. But there's also submitting. I can obey, pastor, but I'm not going to submit. Brian said this last week. It's like that kid who's sitting in a corner saying, I'm sitting down, Dad, but I'm really standing up inside. I'm, I'm in trouble. And that's not what it is. In submitting, what it means is, is that you're yielding. You're, you're willingly complying with that. But let me say it again. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only head of the church. Guys, we have no authority except that God has called us to be under shepherds of this church called Tower View Baptist Church. That's it. We have no more authority. We are not greater than you. We are not better than you. But at the, at the God's providential plan, we are called to do that. We have no right to tell you very practically whom to marry except not in the Lord. We have no right to tell you where to live. We have no right to tell you what job to take. We have no right, as many were surprised in 2012 when Mitt Romney uh, ran for president, that it, it was big news that they took 10% of his salary from the Mormon church because as a Mormon, you have to sign a document giving them your bank routing number because every so weeks they take out that thing. We have no right to do that. Our task is to provide you with loving wisdom and discernment and guidance to make you Make those decisions for yourself based upon the word of God. If you are serving or have served under a leader that became more of a Jim Jones or a, 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 a Waco, Texas kind of leader, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. That is not what we're talking about here. You do not obey and submit to leaders who are going against the word of God for selfish gain. In fact, to be fair, Scripture does give an example regarding how to deal with a sinning leader. 1 Timothy 5.19, do not receive an accusation against a, an elder or a pastor except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, so the rest of us will be fearful of sinning. Authority trickles down from God, and it must be respected. It's not the person or the persons of the pastors. It is the position but their character should back up what they say based on 1 Timothy 3. And we are grateful, aren't we, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now look, you're Americans, right? Red-blooded Americans, and we're individualistic. No one can tell me what to say, not even the pastor of a church. Said every church that dies a slow death. Look, we are going to miss a lot of things and how we should organize or make changes structurally, but I pray we never get wrong the spiritual direction of this church. Church, if you want to pray for other churches, as we often do, you pray for churches that are not known for their love or their gimmicks. They're known for eating and spitting out and chewing up and mincing up and slicing up their pastors and kicking them out. The church submits to Jesus Christ, but under that authority are leaders. That is our position. And what a weighty call that is, because there's not only a position, there is a purpose, number two. That is a duty. Uh, that is a second duty under number one there, the purpose. So what is the purpose? Well, he tells you in verse 17. Notice the four there, first part of the sentence, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give account. 
as those who will give an account. What is the purpose of spiritual leadership? It is to lead individual souls in soul care. That is, that pastor elders must eventually give an account before the Lord Jesus Christ for everything we did here. You know, that is very hard because it is, it is something that we are here to be your biggest cheerleader spiritually. Some of y'all have asked me for, for restaurant recommendations. You already know what I'm going to tell you there. Some of y'all have asked us about car recommendations or recommendations for all things, and we have contacts. But really, at the end of the day, the only thing we're going to be judged upon is how we led you spiritually. And it is for your spiritual welfare and benefit for us to diligently watch over your soul. In short, as you submit and trust the leaders who are trying God's best, their best under God to lead you, you submit and obey to them. Their entire purpose is to protect your soul. 1 Timothy 4.16, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching, Paul told Timothy, preserving these things. For as you do this, you will ensure both for yourself and those who hear you, uh, ensure salvation for both those who hear you. Paul told the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, 28, before he left them, be on guard for yourselves, for all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has given you to be overseers, to shepherd the church which he purchased with his own blood. And of course, in John 21, Peter was told, shepherd my sheep, tend my sheep, love my sheep, Peter, over and over and over. The spiritual purpose of every leader is to lead you to Jesus and leave you there. That's what we're here to do. In many churches, and I confess, perhaps in my naivety and even in my own strength as a flesh, there are some times where as pastors we feel like we can be lowercase m, your functional Messiah. We, can't, we, we can only lead you so far. Our goal as pastor elders is to put you in a place where you go before the throne of God. Now, we're there with you. We're not going to leave you. We're not going to abandon you. But our goal is to point you to Christ. Does that make sense? That is the goal. We cannot do more. In some churches, especially smaller churches, some pastors with a big head think they can do and solve every problem. Their phones are on all the time. They take every call. They take everything. Look, this last four days, I love y'all. We got a lot of your texts. I'm not sure you got ours back. My phone was basically shut off from the world for four days, and it was glorious. I love you all when I say that. But it was nice to take a break. Because sometimes the needs that come through here, and please contact us, don't hear me wrong. Sometimes the needs overwhelm the possibilities of how much we can help you. Our greatest goal is to point you to him. Parents, what is your greatest goal? Is that your kids would live with you for the rest of your lives in your basement and take all your food and all your savings? No, what are you trying to do? At age 18 or whatever, you're trying to punt it like the best punters in the... You get what you're... You're raising them up, aren't you? Because you want them to go about. But that is our purpose. We will stand to give an account someday, and we'll speak to that more in a minute. But I want you to know, what will God judge us on? I believe these questions might be in the ballpark. We don't know exactly what, but here's what we know. Christ may ask us someday as pastors, did you faithfully proclaim the whole word of God, or did you pick and choose what biblical truths would not offend them? Did you warn my people about the threat of Satan? Did you expand, expend yourself in caring for their hearts and their families and their relationship? Did you guard them from the destructive and deceitful ways of the world, Darren, Nelson, Brian, whoever served here before? What did you do to encourage the discouraged and comfort those who suffered? I tremble at that thought. 
not of the thought that I'll lose my salvation because we know we are secure in Christ. Amen? But that's why we take this pastoring seriously. That's why we take membership here seriously. Because if we don't know who we're accountable for, why in the world, how in the world do we stand before God and give an account? Friends, I want you to know that we, as you pray for us, it's, it, we, we should submit because of the position and because of the purpose. But I want you to see number three here. Not only those things, but also because of the pleasure. Because we are ultimately doing this, yes, to serve God, yes, to, to keep things running to some degree, but ultimately, it is for your pleasure. Excuse me, their pleasure. I'll get to the next one in a minute. Their pleasure. We do this first off, he says. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. Elders and pastors are called to lead with joy, with joy. That is, they keep watch with joy. Dare I say that none of us wants to be a grumpy, sourpuss for a pastor. If I or any of our pastors fail to find satisfaction and delight in Christ, how can that be any advantage to you? There are some pastors who have no training, who have no idea what they do if the paycheck from the church stop, so they just stay in the church, and they are like a curmudgeon old man. What's wrong with you? I'm not upset. I'm not grumpy. People often said that ministry would be great if God didn't give us any people. There's a lot of pastors who like to do ministry, but they don't like the people. Friends, I pray that's never us with you. We love you, and there are times that you kick us like sheep kick. You know, our kids this last week went down to Oklahoma, and they taught proper horse etiquette. You know, horses don't have eyes in the back of their head, so you got to go wide around them, or you got to touch their behind, so they don't what? They don't kick you. Sometimes you kick us, and you know what? Sometimes we kick back, don't we? But may we never do anything except what the Scripture says. He tells us in 1 Peter 5, 1 to 3, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd the flock of God, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And so we don't want to lead people that, that are pressured in to following us because that's our job. Friends, would you pray for us? Would you pray for us? And we'll get there in verse 18 and 19, but would you pray for us that we lead you with pleasure and with joy? And I want to tell you it is. Brother Brian is one of the greatest champions of this. We have a Facebook message group, which is often more silly photos and things because we just need a, a breather. We talk serious things. But Brian often brings up to us very regularly that what a joy it is to serve here with you all as a people. You make serving as pastors such a joy and such a pleasure. And I want you to know that the bottom line is that you will gain no spiritual benefit in being led by us men pastors who don't delight in giving us and don't delight and have joy in the Lord. Would you pray for us in that? It's hard work. That's why Calvin said it this way. There are times a pastor needs two voices. He needs a voice for gathering the sheep and another for driving away the wolves and the thieves. And I can tell you both are equally exhausting. Both are, are necessary. But Scripture is clear how you can bring joy to us as leaders. Third John, verse 4. John writes, I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in the truth. What gets us excited about you all when we hear you growing and, and, and exalting and knowing and sharing, and fellowshipping, all in the name of Christ. How do you want to encourage your pastor? Pray for us, yes, but grow in Jesus. Share Jesus. Be like Christ. That's what encourages us. And congregation, thank you for doing that. As 
as much as you can. Tell me, parents, do you enjoy parenting more when your kids are obedient or when they're more rambunctious and, and rebellious? For some of you, you like the charge of adrenaline that comes, but it's the same idea here. You should submit and obey the spiritual leaders of the church as long as they're in line with Scripture because it is their position and because of their purpose and their pleasure. But finally, it's also, end of verse 17, your profit. It's for your good. It's for your benefit. It is for you. And he says, it's very clear right here. He says, for this would be unprofitable for you. What would be unprofitable for you? That you don't submit to their spiritual leadership and obey the direction God is leading the church as long as it aligns with the Bible. You know, many years ago, back in Iraq, in the early days of the second war after 9-11, many of you remember uh, there was a drive going on because the military did not have the funds. I don't know. There was a drive going on. I remember this. We were in college because we saved money to do this, to help out. They did not have air conditioning for some of the men and women serving overseas, so they asked you to adopt an air conditioner and send it overseas in the desert. And I remember when they were fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan, they needed those. And I remember one person saying, he said, well, I like to sleep with an air conditioner. I figure those people do too. Let me help them out. That's exactly the same principle here. Do you want the job of a soldier to be miserable or, or something that no one wants to do it? No. There's hardships to be sure, and they count that cost. The job is going to be hard. But the same thing goes for you. As we seek to lead you in a godly, spiritual way, the greatest benefit we have together is if we lead you well, it is for your good. Note, and Amy will put this on the screen, please hear this clearly. It is not our job to make you happy. It is not our job. It did get quiet. It is not our job to make you happy. Rather, it is our job to labor for your joy so you would be happy in God. Do you understand that difference? Look, if I wanted to make you happy, I would get up here and preach things every week that I know would make you happy. And there are days when I look at the text for next week and I think, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. They're going to receive it well, but Lord Jesus, help me. In most churches, this would get you fired. But we are grateful that you receive it well. And it really is common sense. Employees enjoy their job, always do a better job. Leaders who enjoy their followers always lead better. Followers who enjoy their leaders and do what, what is asked will always do that. Look, shepherds are called to shepherd regardless. We are called to be leaders regardless. But it sure goes better when we get to enjoy you as you enjoy us, as we enjoy our God together. Amen? Friends, I hope this makes sense. I think we've got this box pretty well checked off here at Tower View in a lot of ways. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we're doing everything right. Doesn't mean we're not blindsided by sin and things that we don't need to be called out for. But I am grateful that we can look out. As I look out over these faces, you all get this. But would you continue to pray for other churches that don't? Because there are so many, friends, so many. We see it every single week. Nelson and Brian and I in a pastor's group I, the deacons came to me after church and told me they wanted to meet at me at 6 o'clock tonight. What should I do? Did they tell you what the meeting was about? No, they won't tell me. And you get a report at 8 o'clock that night. How'd it go? They told me they're giving me two weeks to leave, um, and I have to leave the parsonage. What did you do? I preached the Word of God, and they don't like it. People are getting upset. Please don't take for granted what God is building here or any church where the gospel's preached. 
First thing to have joy in the Lord is that you submit. That's duty number one. Duty number two also comes is supplication. That's an old word, supplication. It means prayers. But would you see that there are two reasons to pray for us here? First off, verse 18, it is proper. Because we can't do this in leading you, and you can't do this in following and obeying what God is leading us spiritually to do unless there is prayer. Notice that command there. He says, pray for us. The writer basically is using a very common word for prayer. There's nothing special about the word. But he's basically saying, we deserve your prayers. Now, that sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? A pastor deserves your prayers? Deserves? uh, Well, he's basically saying, we have a good conscience before God about how we've led you. We're not trying to lead you in the wrong way. We're not trying to take you down a road God says not to go. We need your prayers. Acts 23, 21, Paul was a man like this. It says, Paul looking intently at the Jewish council, said, Brethren, I've lived a life with perfectly good conscience before the Lord to this day. He says, pray for us. We are sure to have a clear conscience. You know, one of the greatest gifts that any murderer, any rich person, anyone who's ever used anyone to get an advantage for themselves would care for is a clear conscience. There have been studies done on a spiritual level, and I have some examples on my computer saved, where death row inmates have said, who've never come to Christ, have said, I know what I did was wrong, and that haunts me every day. Oh, if I could just have a clear conscience. If you're here today, and you're in Jesus Christ, your conscience is clear. Your slate is clean. He has taken you from the mess of sin and made you into what you are and are becoming in Christ. But I want you to know, sometimes as leaders, our consciences aren't always clear. As you pray for us, you pray for us. There are days that we harbor, can I just be on, can I, to be honest, hashtag, you ready? There are days that we are bitter about how you've reacted. There are days that we are bitter about how we acted towards you. There are days that we look at a situation and say, if this person would just do this biblically, this person would do this over here. There are days that we get mad at ourselves because we are not the people we need to be in our homes, in our hearts, and everything. We need your prayers. It is proper. And he says, pray for us. Pray for us. This will be on the screen. Pray for your pastor. Again, not just for his own sake or our own sakes, but for your own sakes. 1 Corinthians 4.4, Paul said, For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet... Not that I by this am acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. The point is, is that when a leader is faithful to follow God, there are prayers needed because he's earned your support. And Paul says over and over and over in Galatians 1 and 1 Corinthians 2 that he came among them to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Friends, I'm asking you to pray for us. This is hard work. It is soul-wrenching work. And I'm just going to ask for your, I'm just going to say this. If you're writing notes, that's fine, but please hear this clearly. There are some situations we will never tell you about because we can't. There are details of people's lives. There are details of situations. There are things that we know happen in this church that are not illegal, that are not, there are just things that we cannot tell you that we hold because we're holding confidences. We're holding Family secrets that are, again, are not breaking the law, but just past things, that weighs on us. We need your prayers. But I want you to know equally, we are praying for you. We love you. We care for you. 
We want you to know what it is to know Christ. We wouldn't owe it except to pray. If a person is willing to watch out for wolves, correct bad doctrine, to lead correctly, to enter that spiritual battle, then we need all the prayer support we can get. I pray that doesn't sound selfish. I pray like the writer here is that we would have a clear conscience, that we shepherd you well. There are some times that the details and situations that we have are above the wisdom that we have. And so we may go and share third-party general details without names and specifics to get that wisdom. But we want to do the best for you because God has done the best for us in Christ. Amen? But it's also pressing. Notice there, verse 19, he says, I urge you all the more to do this so I may be restored to you sooner. You know, we've talked about the last two years, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is, but based on this, it's very likely this person was in prison. Can I show my card for a second? I really think it's Paul. I really think it's Paul. Did you hear that? Don't take that to the bank. It's probably Paul. But he writes here, verse 19, I urge you, this is not a command. He says, he says I, we desire to act honorably in all things. Pray for us, but do this quickly. I urge you. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. You remember in Acts chapter 12, Peter was released from prison. There are several times in the, in the Gospels, in Acts 16, where, where Paul and Silas were singing until the midnight time. And uh, the, the, the earthquake busted open the doors. God had opened up prison doors before. Why could he not do it now? Because... What is happening here is there is a need and it's pressing. The pressing need is he's probably in jail. But more so the pressing need is he wants to see his people. He wants to be around his people. Ephesians 6, 19, Paul said it this way, And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me an opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul said, Brethren, brothers, sisters, pray for us. Paul wanted people to pray for him. Regardless of the fact that submission is required, I suppose that any Christian leader will ever deal with a completely submissive congregation. Therefore, it's more important to pray. Good shepherds aren't looking for money or fame. They just want to be faithful. And this is impossible without a task by human means. There are two reasons for this. And he just exited, and I had a joke about him in my notes, so you'll just have to go with me. Sheep are sinful and rebellious and hard-hearted. Shepherds are sinful and rebellious and hard-hearted. And you know what also puts us in that place? Is we know, as Amy will put up here, your pastor might be a huge jerk in need of rebuke. Can I say it any more simply? But more than likely, he's just a big sinner doing his imperfect best. Pray and encourage. I want you to pray for us as leaders, that we're everything God intends for us to be for our families, for you, that God will comfort and confront those areas where we fall short, that God will burden our hearts for the right things, that God will not let us get discouraged, distracted, or deceived, that God will give us boldness and compassion and merciful hands to lead you, that we will stay focused on eternity that God will open our eyes to his direction, that God in doing all these things will help us to lead you well. If the writer of inspired scripture says pray for us, how much more do us peons here at Tower View Baptist Church by the name of Brian, Nelson, and myself, men undeserving of anything that we have here at this church and of you all, 
How much more do we need your prayers? And church, I will end with this. He says, so that I may be restored to you sooner. This man was probably in prison. And while we may never know who wrote the book of Hebrews, his heart's desire was to shepherd his flock, to watch over them and care for them. And if you hear nothing else, hear this today. This is exactly what your Savior did for you. He shepherded you. He is the good shepherd. And if you're not a Christian here today, I want you to know that that's what us Christians hold our hope on. Jesus shepherded your soul. Jesus brought you to a place where only he could save you. He is the greatest leader of all. And thank the Lord that while we were rebellious sinners, biting and kicking and doing everything we could to run away from him as a lost goat, as Jesus' illustration, Matthew 25, would say, he pulled us in with that shepherd's hook. He chose us, and he grabbed us, and he saved us, and he brought us into the pen. And every time we rebel and every time we fall to the side, he says, I love you still. I forgive you. I forgive you. And friends, because Jesus did that for us, may we pray that we shepherd you well, not to replace Christ, but to be the best ambassadors for Christ. And if you're a Tower View member, you pray that God continues to grow leaders amongst our people here. There's coming a day and a time that God will call us home. It could be today, it could be in 50 years, but you pray that God raises up leaders here. We love you all. We take seriously our charge here, and I want you to know that at the end of the day, we'd be at no other place. And there are days, there are days here at Tower View that my hair looks like Nelson's. I love you, brother. But I want you to know at the end of the day, you all are one of the best congregations this pastor has ever been a part of. I, I dare I say Brian or, or Nelson. God is doing great things among you. Don't lose that. Pray that it continues. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you shepherded our souls and that if there's any among us that need Christ, there is one way to be saved and it is Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which we are saved. And Lord, in this imperfect world, you've called imperfect men, especially to pastor the churches that we have. Oh, Father, we need your help. It is beyond our pay grade. We punted beyond our coverage. And whatever phrase you want to throw at it, Lord, that is us. And Lord, this sounds like we're just doing a sermon for us three guys here today, and perhaps in a tune it is. But I pray also for our church here as we lead this congregation. Give us great compassion. Give us great mercy. Give us great boldness and wisdom all wrapped up by your Spirit's leading, all by your grace and your strength, not but by my might, says the Lord, as our brother often prays before his songs, but by your Spirit, Lord. Father, I pray for the congregation here. I pray that as we seek to, to lead spiritually, so long as we are, are leading biblically, not heavy-handedly, not domineeringly, not uh, forcing a peg through a square peg through a round hole, that the church would respond well. Father, we are nothing. We don't have final authority. We know you do. So, Lord, give us wisdom. Help us to do this delicate balance well. But, Father, I pray we shepherd well so they would receive the joy of, of living for Christ well. Pray that for our families. Pray that for our husbands and our wives, our grandparents, our grandkids, our widow and widowers. I pray that each one of us here, as we seek to be one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, all unified in Christ, here at this local church called Tower View, 
that you would grow us in godliness, that you would grow fruit among us, that you would see that Christ is exalted in all that we say and do. And Father, like any family, you know that we will have tiffs and taffs and disagreements. But at the end of the day, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. May we do it to your honor and your glory. Father, I pray for our church. We love them so much. Be with each member, some who are here today, physically some who can't be, they're homebound, others who are just been a sick week, a week of sickness at our church. Father, be glorified in each one. Thank you so much. Would you grow us here and grow not only Christians, but bring people without Christ to come to know Jesus here in these ranks. We pray in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. Sobriety here.